What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. We've got another big episode in store for you. Today, we're going to be talking about the NBA Conference Finals, the upcoming weekend in NFL football, including our picks for Love It or Fade It, a big weekend in college football, including the SEC getting underway, and the Major League Baseball playoff picture. Episode 17 coming at you right now. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in. I'm Landon Pangburn, along with my brother and co-host, Preston Pangburn. We're 17 episodes in at this point, but nothing's really changed. We're still guys being dudes talking about sports, and there's a lot going on right now that we're excited to talk about. P, how you doing? Doing well. Looking forward to some relaxation this weekend. We're headed up to Highlands, North Carolina for our dad's 60th birthday. So shout out, Pops. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Pops. Love you, man. And then on top of that, we are three days away from SEC football, six days away from playoff bubble baseball, and depending on the results of Lakers, Nuggets, and Heat Celtics, about nine, ten days away from the NBA Finals. So I am happy. Big things popping in sports. Well, we're going to start off today, I think, talking about the NBA. We haven't had any more Heat and Celtics games since our last episode. We've got Game 4 in that series going down later tonight. We're recording this on Wednesday night. So let's talk a little bit about Lakers versus Nuggets. Games 2 and 3 have both happened since our last episode. P, what you been seeing there? Well, I've been seeing that I've been reverse jinxing the Nuggets all playoffs long. I mean, I am the guy who keeps opening my mouth and counting them out. And then as soon as I do, they bounce back. So they lost game two on that devastating buzzer beater. I mean, they should have won that game. AD hit the huge shot to put them up 2-0. And then I think at that point, I was saying it was way more likely that the Lakers would sweep them than the Nuggets would win the series. Or I actually said that after game one, which Mm -hmm. is funny. But anyway, Nuggets back in it after winning game three. What'd you see? Yeah, I've been trying to like hype up the Nuggets for a while now. Even before the playoffs started, I still don't understand why they're considered a big underdog. They are legit. They are good, and they deserve to win game three for sure, and possibly even game two. They could very easily be up two games to one right now. But I'm really looking out for just a couple things in this series. I think there's really going to be kind of two factors that the this, series hinges on. The first one is in any given game, who is the fifth best player on the court? I mean, those two two duos really in LeBron and AD and in Jokic and Murray, they're putting up huge numbers every single night. They're absolutely crushing it. And whoever steps up as the fifth best player in the game, I think that team has a huge advantage. In game three, it was clearly Jeremy Grant who played as well as an incredible defensive game. Also had 26 points, which is a playoff career high for him. Incredible game for Jeremy Grant. So really looking at that. And then secondly, neither of these teams are great three-point shooting teams. It's really hard to win NBA games and especially NBA playoff games in this day and age when you hit single-digit threes. And in game two, the Lakers, sorry, the Nuggets only hit eight and the Lakers won. And then in game three, the Lakers only hit six and the Nuggets won. So it really depends to some extent on who hits their open threes and who doesn't. 
I agree with you. And the Lakers only hit 24% in game three. That's not going to work. I mean, like you said, the role players are just huge in this series because the big four in this series are kind of going to do their thing. Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic for the Nuggets, LeBron and AD for the Lakers. You know, LeBron put up a triple double with 30, 11 and 10. Didn't matter. I mean, their third highest scorer was KCP with 12 points. So, you know, those role players play in that way. And then on the other side, like you mentioned, Jeremy Grant with a playoff career high and 26 points. That was the prevailing factor in game three. For sure. And we're talking about how good the Nuggets are as a team and especially how good that duo is. So I've got a question for you. Who, what you got? Going into next season, I'm trying to think of where you put legitimately with how good they are, especially with Jamal Murray becoming a star player, where the Nuggets star duo ranks amongst NBA duos. So I was kind of thinking about it and going through it a little bit. And there's a list of duos that I think is clearly better than them. See what you think about this. I think you would put LeBron and AD ahead of them. Steph and Clay when they're healthy going into next year, and Kawhi and Paul George. I think those are probably the only three duos that are clearly better than Jokic and Murray. I think you can consider Kyrie and KD if you assumed health would be better than them, but you can't assume health with them, especially KD coming off an Achilles injury. That's a nasty thing. You don't know what he's ever going to look like again. So even with that, I think there's only four that are clearly above them. I want to give you a list of some other ones and let me know whether you would take Jokic and Murray or these other two guys, okay? Okay, after you said the first three, the first one that came to mind was Kyrie and KD. And then I was thinking Luka and Chris Stapps with how well Chris Stapps was playing down the stretch. But go ahead with the list. Yes, okay, so let's start with there then. What do you think about Jokic and Murray versus Luka and Chris Stapps? Who would you take? Are we talking like five on five or two on two? I'm talking about as the foundation of a team. I would take Jokic and Murray, especially given uh, the health of Porzingis. What about Giannis and Chris Middleton? Giannis and Middleton. Because they have Giannis. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. What about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum? Ooh, that's a tough one. Mm -hmm. Because I think that Jason Tatum is the best player among those four. And the worst one's Jalen Brown. So that one's kind of a toss-up. But, I mean, point taken, they're they're a very good duo. And I think that they're going to be more respected going into next year because now that people have seen them on the national stage in the playoffs and have seen these incredible comebacks, seen what they can do, they'll have more respect. But I think we were talking about it recently. I mean, they play in a relatively small market in Denver. They play west coast time so no one ever sees them play but after this yeah their their name is out there yeah they're awesome i had a few more on there that you could actually consider we won't go into them but like joel Embiid and ben simmons i take Jokic and murray i think harden and westbrook i would take Jokic and murray because i don't really believe in russell westbrook anymore and then the other one's damian lillard and cj mccollum like you at least have to think about it right a little bit yeah, I would go with Jokic and Murray there because I love Dame, but I mean, I'm not quite there on CJ McCollum. And then I agree with you that Jokic and Murray are better than the other two because I have been out on Russell Westbrook for years and for somewhat similar reasons, I am out on uh, Ben Simmons. So. Yeah. so basically they're really good and they're going to be good for a while. Yes, they are. And then we got Heat Celtics game four tonight, really jacked up about that series. I think that one's going seven all the way. I think that's going to be a battle to the finish and I cannot wait to watch. Agreed. And I picked the Celtics in seven before the series, sticking with it. So, I mean, if I'm taking them in seven, they can't get down 3-1. So I've got Celtics tonight in game four with Gordon Hayward back in the lineup, full rotation, ready to go. All right. I still got heat in game seven, so we're battling to the end, man. Board bet. Let's go. I'm on.
All right, so let's move on from the NBA to the NFL. A couple bits of news. Do you see the Tyrod Taylor thing? So the the reason he missed the game and they were forced to start Justin Herbert last Sunday is because the team doctor for the Los Angeles Chargers was injecting Tyrod Taylor with a painkilling injection for his cracked ribs, I think, Mm -hmm. and he accidentally punctured a lung. He did, yeah. This is something I'm familiar with because of what I do at work. I stick needles in people, but I'm very aware of where the lungs are in... It's not a good look for a medical professional to be popping someone's lungs, especially a professional athlete right before a game. I feel bad for Tyrod. Yeah, that's pretty tough. And you taught me a lesson about an hour ago. I had no idea that your lungs went up as high as they did. Mm-hmm. So a big lesson in anatomy for me there. Um, but I, I just I hope that the NFL launches a full investigation on this one because like was the team doctor wearing his Justin Herbert jersey during this? Like, is there some kind of conspiracy going on here? Very possible. I don't know. We'll see what comes out over the next few weeks. Okay, so keep eye on that and then one more thing that i want to mention about the nfl before we get into our love it or fade it picks for the weekend is the performance of russell wilson just because you know we talked about before the season how the nerds hate the seahawks how much they run the ball particularly on first and second down um the hashtag let russ cook started trending before the season and now it is sweeping the nation the seahawks are doing just that through two weeks russell wilson has completed 82 of his 82 percent of his passes for 610 yards and nine touchdowns he is now the vegas favorite to win the mvp which think through two weeks yeah that's crazy i mean his his potential is unlimited his completion percentage <laughs> is unlimited the amount of touchdowns that he could throw this season is, is unlimited so it's hard not to love russell wilson first of all he's a great guy and you want to root for him and second of all he's a stud of a quarterback we've all been waiting to see this this is a kind of like second breakout teams or players do this occasionally where they're already stars but then they take another leap forward for whatever reason oftentimes it's because of something like this which is just increased opportunity and in throwing the ball and he's doing that He's a monster. He is, and Vegas has recognized it. I mean, going into the season, the logical MVP favorites were Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. They are both now plus 500, while Russell Wilson has moved to plus 250. So killing it. Favorite to win the MVP. They're letting Russ cook. He's married to Sierra. He just named his son Win. The guy's confidence is at an all-time high. What are Win Wilson's MVP odds in like 2050? So I don't think he's going to be a football player. I mean, given Russ's size, Sierra's size, I think that uh, Wynn Wilson, we're going to see him get drafted 12th overall in the Major League Baseball draft in about 19 years, and then he is going to be like a World Series winning shortstop. The next Derek Jeter. Oh, absolutely. That sounds dope. All right, so let's do Love It or Fade It. If you have not been with us for this before, it's our NFL betting segment, and we will post about it on Instagram. If you'd like to compete, we post three games each week. It's the three games that the public is heaviest on in terms of betting, and whoever has the most wins on these games at the end of the season on our Instagram account, which is shoot.your.shot.sports, will win a $100 StubHub gift card. So Lando, you ready for game one? Let's do this. Number one, we've got the Tampa Bay Bucks minus six. At the Denver Broncos, 85% of the public is on the Bucks. Lando, who do you got? This is a tough one because I'm not really sure what the Broncos are going to look like. I think aside from the Niners, the Broncos are probably the second hardest hit team by the injury bug so far this year. They had Von Miller go down for the year before the season. They had their number one receiver, Cortland Sutton, Cortland Sutton tears ACL last week, Drew Locks out with a shoulder injury. So I don't really know what the Broncos are going to look like. And on the other side, I think that the Bucks are just going to keep on getting better every week with more reps, especially as that offense meshes Tom Brady getting in there with those receivers. So I'm going to love this one. I'm going with the Bucks minus six. 
Okay, and I, I get where you and the public are going with this one. I mean, you look at the quarterback situation, and it's Tom Brady versus Jeff Driscoll. Like, of course, they're going in that direction. Um, you know, the, the Broncos were not treated well by the injury bug last week. And even though East Coast teams tend to struggle traveling west, and I think the Broncos defense will keep this respectable, I'm loving this one as well. I'm going with the Bucks to cover and win 24-17. to 17. All right, I like it. Let's move on to the second one. Number two, we've got Titans minus two and a half at Minnesota Vikings. 78% of the public is on Titans minus two and a half. Who are you taking here? This one's kind of funky because the Titans, especially in offensive, on the offensive side of the ball, have really gotten things rolling recently. They look really good. And on the other hand, the Vikings have looked terrible on offense. Kirk Cousins had a really bad game last week, but I think the law of averages prevails in this one. I think the Vikings are a better team than this. I think they're going to make a little bounce back here. I'm going to fade this one. I'm taking the Vikings plus two and a half. I like your thought process. I am of the same mindset here, and it feels funny because I am in on the Titans this year. I've got them winning 10 games, winning the AFC South. I'm out on the Vikings. I've got them missing the playoffs, but you know the Titans are 2-0. I don't think they're going to go undefeated this year. The Vikings are 0-2. I don't think they're going to lose out, right? Mm -hmm. And historically, the Vikings are just really tough at home, so I think they put it together here, and I've actually got them winning outright. I will take the Vikings 23-20 in this one. All right, cool. Let's go to the last one. The last one, and probably the best, you know, game overall as a football fan to watch here, uh, Packers and Saints. So Packers are plus three at New Orleans, and 76% of the public likes the pack. Who do you have? This one's kind of weird because there's a lot of uncertainty as far as injuries are concerned. On the one hand, Michael Thomas is going to be up in the air, probably game time decision. And for the Packers, Devontae Adams has a hamstring going on. Not sure if he's going to play. And if he does play, whether or not he's going to be 100%. So I'm going to go with the team that has more weapons outside of their lead guy. I'm going to take the Saints, Alvin Kamara, Jared Cook. And now that Christian McCaffrey's hurt, the most electrifying white guy in the NFL, Taysom Hill, not your boy, my boy. I'm going with the Saints plus three. Sorry, Saints minus three. <laughs> okay, you've got Saints minus three. Taysom Hill's a freaking bum. I'm not even going to get into that right now. I'll I'll save that for my my New Orleans Saints Twitter writers that I beef with about <laughs> Taysom Hill. But anyway, I'm fading this one too. I want to say I really like this Packers team. I think through two weeks, they're among the most impressive teams in the NFL, given the lack of offseason program and preseason with just how sharp they've looked overall. But with the Saints coming off of a loss, a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, coming back home to play in the Dome, um, you know, I, my pick might change here if Michael Thomas is out with that ankle injury but assuming he plays I think they bounce back and win this one I've got him taking it 31 to 27 there we go all right so don't forget you can put in your picks for this weekend on our Instagram account before the games kick off on Sunday don't forget to get those in and win your $100 StubHub gift card yeah, so thank you to all of those who have participated in our Love It or Fade It competition so far. Shout out to the current leader, Matt Clark, at 6-0. and Pretty impressive. We've got a couple other people at 5-1, and too, so keep up the good work. And if you haven't joined yet, it's not too late. It's a long season, 17 weeks, so get in on the action. And then before we move on from the NFL, one last game we got to talk about. Monday Night Football, the game of the century, Lando. We've got Chiefs at Ravens. Ravens favored by 3.5 in Baltimore. What do you think about this game? My first thing that I think about this game is I don't get sleep any night of the week. There's too many sports going on, and every single night there's something going on way past my bedtime, which I know sounds lame, but I wake up early. But anyways, I cannot miss this game. I can't wait to watch this game. I'm going to take the Ravens in this one. I think Lamar Jackson has something to prove this year. I love the physicality up front for the Ravens. They're a really good team. Wide receivers are getting in the mix more this year. Really, really looking forward to watching it more than anything else. Just going to be a super entertaining game. 
Agreed. I, and I hope it's a shootout between, you know, two MVP caliber quarterbacks and Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. A week ago, I might have taken the Chiefs here, but after the way that they struggled a little, a little bit with Joey Bosa and the Chargers pass rush last week, I just think it might be more of the same. The Ravens are strong up front. They added Calais Campbell. They've got Matthew Judon, Derek Wolf, just some beasts up there. And I just think that the Chiefs offensive line might struggle a little bit. And like you said, Ravens got a chip on their shoulder, want to win this game. But um, I'm, I've got the Ravens to win this one 34-31 one coming down to the last minute shootout yeah and they do have the best kicker in the nfl and maybe in nfl history and justin tucker i was actually going to say i'm kind of excited for the kicker battle too because butker's good too (laughs) (laughs) if it goes to overtime instead of actually playing football we should just have a horse competition between tucker and butker Ooh, I like that. So like you kick from 54 from the right hash. Other one's got to make that. Yeah. Or you can kick from like the sideline and the, the goalposts are really narrow, like rugby style. It'd be crazy. Ooh, okay. Well, NFL overtime kind of sucks in general. So maybe they can add like a little competition like that. That'd be interesting. Let's do it. I like it. Well, one last thing I want to mention about this game, and I think this is funny because it's going to happen, but what do you think happens regardless of the outcome of this game on Tuesday morning between the Chiefs and Ravens? The winner is deemed the Super Bowl favorite and the loser is not. Yes, close. But the winner of this game, Tuesday morning, media, queue up the 16-0 and 0 talks. I guarantee oh, yeah, you. Probably. As soon as it happens on Tuesday morning, I'm going to text you about it because it's <laughs> going to happen. I promise yes. you, you turn on ESPN at 10 a.m. on Tuesday, you're going to see, are the Ravens going 16-0? We're all overreaction guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. America <laughs> loves the overreaction and the underdog. The yes, two things should. America loves. Heard that. Well, let's take a swing now over to college football. We have a big weekend this weekend. The Big 12 and the ACC are remaining in action. And then we've also got the big dogs, the SEC coming into play. What you see in this upcoming weekend? Well, the dogs are back. Georgia opens up at Arkansas against uh, former coach Sam Pittman. Yeah. So that'll be an interesting one. What I'm really looking for here. Who we really like too. Yeah, Sam Pittman's a good guy. Yeah. I mean, I think he's kind of a jerk for leaving, but I'll pull for him when he's not playing us. But anyway, the thing I'm watching for here is Dewan Mathis, starting quarterback for Georgia. Uh, he was committed to Ohio State, flipped on signing day two years ago, I think largely due to Justin Fields switching over to Ohio State. But anyway, he ended up dealing with a brain cyst last year. Didn't know if he'd ever play football again. So him being back, being the starter, it's a feel-good story. Go dogs! It hasn't even been officially announced he's the starter yet, right? I announced it. Okay, my bad. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I announced it a few weeks, a few days ago. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, all signs are pointing to Dwan Mathis, Mathis being the starter, despite JT Daniels transferring in from USC during the offseason. But it could be really fun for once to have a starting quarterback who can actually run with the ball and be a threat with his feet. There are still a lot of questions on the offensive side of the ball for UGA. Don't know who the number two receiver is going to be after Dominic Blaylock tore his ACL. Lost a lot off the offensive line from last year, including both tackles to the draft. Cade Mays transferred to Tennessee. But I was looking at the two-deep depth chart the other day, and I think for UGA, if you took away all 11 defensive starters and put in that second unit, that would still be a really good defense. Like, just so deep on defense. Yeah, the defense is absolutely loaded. Richard LeCount, who's going to be a first-round pick. Jalen Carter, the true freshman. I mean, people have been raving about him. N'Kobe Dean at linebacker. Monty Rice, ya boy. Monty's my guy. <laughs> Lewis Seen. I mean, yeah, they're they're just absolutely stacked on defense. So, big question is offense. They brought in Todd Munkin to be the offensive coordinator, hoping he can have a Joe Brady effect on that offense. So, we'll see what Dewan can do. Do you know that you can't smell, spell Heisman without Dewan E. Mathis? 
<laughs> I did not know that. His middle name's Terrence. <laughs> okay. You just mentioned Joe Brady. So let's talk about the defending national champion, LSU Tigers. They're going to look completely different this year. They lost not only both coordinators and Joe Brady and Dave Aranda, but they also lost a ton of talent on both sides of the ball. They just named Miles Brennan Joe Burrow's replacement. He's going to be throwing to all different guys too because they lost all three of those top receivers from last year. So a different look from LSU. New quarterback, Miles Brennan. He's, is he related to Colt Brennan? I don't know. I haven't even thought about that. Remember that guy? Hawaii quarterback. Played, played Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Cried oh. during the game. Dated oh. Jessica Simpson. He dated Jessica Simpson? I think so. No way. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he like briefly dated Jessica Simpson like right before or after Tony Romo. <laughs> That's hilarious. I was at that Sugar Bowl that we beat him, I think, 41 to 10. And we picked him off three times and had eight sacks and he cried on the sidelines. He definitely cried about it. I mean, yeah. that game was a bloodbath. Yeah, it's pretty tough. And then we've also got Alabama's going to be really, really good. They're going to reload this year. They're kind of are starting a new era with Mac Jones, a quarterback, after he beat out Bryce Young in a preseason battle. They've got a ton of weapons on the offensive side of the ball. Devontae Smith coming back. Jalen Waddell is amazing. That guy's incredible. And they're also going to have a huge boost on defense with Dylan Moses returning after missing last year with an ACL tear. They're going to be awesome as always, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah, needless to say, I mean, a ton of returning talent. The thing that's funny about Bama is every year you kind of feel like they lost so much talent. And then throughout the year, they just have eight guys emerge as first round picks. It's like, oh, okay, cool. My my biggest question about Bama, they they named Mac Jones the starter earlier this week. I think someone more credible than me named him the (laughs) starter. But uh, is he going to be the starter all season? Or is that just going to be like the first three and a half games and then they bring in Bryce Young for the second half against Georgia to devastate me. Yeah, Nick Saban has shown that he's not afraid to supplant an incumbent starter when he feels like the backup is the better player. And I think that might be the case eventually at some point in time here. Bryce Young last year as a senior in high school was incredible. He was just flying up the recruiting rankings as the season went on because he just showed himself to be better and better. He's going to be a weapon as far as he can run the ball as well as throwing, whereas Mac Jones is not much of a runner. So I think eventually Bryce Young is probably going to take over. And they're going to be really scary. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be this year or next year, but Bryce Young, he's going to be a stud. And shout out you. You used a couple big words there. Hashtag supplant the incumbent. (laughs) I didn't even think think about that, but thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome, nerd. And then last game I want to talk about in the SEC this upcoming weekend, the only ranked matchup of SEC teams is number 23, Kentucky at number eight, Auburn. So Kentucky, I think, is replacing their quarterback after Lynn Bowden left for the draft and went to the Raiders this year. And Auburn's got Bo Nix coming back. I would love personally to see the Wardam Eagle Tigers struggle a little bit in the opener with Georgia coming up next week in Athens. What are you looking for here? Yeah, I'm not going to miss playing against Lynn Bowden because that guy was an incredible athlete. I thought he was going to go higher in the draft than he did. I think he's eventually going to make some noise in the NFL because he's just, he's a freak. I am interested to see what Bo Nix looks like as a sophomore. He showed a lot of promise last year, but like you said, I mean, I want the War Eagles to win game one because I want us to play them and beat them in game two. But yeah, I think the Auburn's going to be really good again this year. They are. So something to look out for there. I mean, they don't struggle much at home. So I expect them to win this one, setting up a big showdown with Georgia and Athens next week. And Georgia has not lost at home to Auburn since 2005. That's right. And then one other thing I wanted to point out in the SEC this year is I'm kind of looking forward 
for the next few years of the Battle of Mississippi between Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach. That's kind of a cool little thing that's going on, a little sub-story. Neither of those teams should be super good, but those are two huge personalities as coaches and could add a lot of entertainment. You got Lane Kiffin rolling around trolling everybody. You got Mike Leach, who's just kind of a weird, quirky, funny guy. And I'm also really curious to see, once he gets his recruits in there, and once he implements that offense, what it looks like for those juggernauts in the SEC West to defend that crazy spread passing attack of Mike Leach. Yeah, Mike Leach's offense can actually give people a lot of problems. Yeah. I mean, it's just something that you don't see on a weekly basis. It's almost like facing the triple option in a way. It's like you only prepare for it once a year. So it can be pretty tough. And then Lane Kiffin is just a complete movie too. So I don't expect either of those guys to last at those schools very long. So I don't know. Keep an eye on that. It's at least interesting. I and think then, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, uh, one more thing I'm looking for this year on the note of you know not being at schools for too long is I predicted when Dan Mullen got hired that he would go 0-4 against Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs and then get fired. So I think this would be the last year. I'm not sure that's going to happen since he's got them like top 10 every year, but eh, we'll see. Yeah, they're going to be pretty good. They're the same story I feel like every year is if they actually just find a quarterback who's really good, the rest of the team is loaded and Kyle Trask is pretty solid. I think that they could be a really good team. I got kind of pissed off the other day because someone mentioned Brenton Cox being good for them this year and I had forgotten about Brenton Cox being on Florida now, so that kind of sucks. I forgot about him too. I'm mad you mentioned him. I am now triggered. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. It's okay. Can you fill time while I get mad? If, yeah. And don't speak. We switch in sports. Are we done with college football? Yeah. Let's okay. move on. Cool. Let's move on to Major League Baseball now. So if you haven't already heard, Major League Baseball season ends this upcoming weekend. So let's talk a little bit about the Major League Baseball playoff picture. In the American League, we've already had six of the eight playoff spots clinched. The Rays and the Yankees in the AL East, the White Sox, Twins, and Indians in the Central, and the A's in the West. But even the teams that haven't clinched in the Blue Jays and Astros are going to clinch at any moment. So the AL playoff picture is pretty much set as far as the teams that are going to be in there. The Rays are going to be the number one seed, but seeds two through eight are still kind of up in the air. So we're not really sure what that's going to look like as far as first round matchups are concerned until the end of the season. And then on the other side in the National League, four of the spots have been clinched so far with the Braves winning the East, the Cubs winning the Central, the Dodgers winning the West and already clinching the number one slot in the NL, and then the Padres getting a wild card spot. And then after that, the, the National League's kind of crazy. So you've got the Miami Marlins, the makeshift Marlins look like they're going to get a playoff spot. That's got to be one of the stories of the year. I can't believe that's actually a thing. Like we joked about it for a while for the first couple weeks of the season because they were sitting at what, two and three? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that's actually happening. I can't believe they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. So the Marlins have a really good shot as long as they don't completely collapse as well as the Cardinals. So those six teams look like they're going to be in it. And then those last two spots are really going to come down to like a five-team race between the Reds, Brewers, Giants, Phillies, and Mets. What you see in there? Well, before I circle back to those five teams fighting for the two wildcard spots, I want to say my favorite thing about the National League is that the Washington Nationals will not be making the playoffs this year because they are the defending World Series champions. So that means inevitably someone's going to supplant the incumbent. <laughs> Got him. Yeah, but anyway, the five teams fighting for the two wildcard spots in the NL, Phillies, Reds, Brewers, Giants, Mets. If you're the one or two seed, which as of tonight looks like it's going to be Dodgers and Braves, who's the scariest team? Who do you not want to see of those five? I think it's obvious. 
There's one that too. stands out to you. It's got to be the Reds. Has to be. It has to be the Reds in a three-game series in the first round. You do not want to face Trevor Bauer and Luis Castillo. That and, is brutal. And your boy Sonny Ray yeah. in the third game. I mean, yeah. that that's super tough. That's really really tough. And yeah, just Trevor Bauer and Luis Castillo by themselves. That is one of the best one-two punches in Major League Baseball as far as starting and pitching rotations is concerned. So yeah, definitely don't want to face the Reds if I'm the Dodgers in the first round. Absolutely not. I mean, those guys are absolutely killing it right now. And then their lineup's pretty deep, too. They've got Castellanos, Moustakis, Suarez, Jesse Winker, who's been sneaky good this year. Oh, he's, he's a good player. He's good. And then you can't forget about Joey Votto. He had a home run tonight. I mean, at any point, he can turn it back on. He's a little washed, but he's still got a little in the tank. So the Reds are definitely a scary seven or eight seed. Hope to avoid them. And they're hot right now. You don't want to play teams that are hot coming into the playoffs. Coming into today, they are eight and two in their last 10. So Reds are scary. Yes, they are. And then if you have to, I'm going to put you on the spot. I mean, I think your preseason World Series pick was who? The Yankees over Dodgers? Dodgers. Mm -hmm. You sticking with it? I am, although I have to stick with it because they're going to make the playoffs. But we also talked about our favorite bets for the winner of the World Series, uh, including the odds versus just picking a straight up winner. And I picked the Cubs. And given those preseason odds, like that's pretty good too. Right now, you Darvish is the odds on favorite for the National League Cy Young, which is pretty crazy. So Cubs still have a chance. I think if I had to just pick a straight up winner now and back off from my Yankees pick, the Dodgers are just so freaking good. But I'm going to stick with my preseason pick in the Yankees. Okay, I'm sticking with my preseason pick too because it was the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have them avenging their 2017 World Series cheater loss to the Houston Astros, but the Astros are what, like 500 right now? I mean, they're certainly not favored to make it out of the American League, so keep an eye on that, but playoff baseball will be starting six days from tonight, September 29th. Let's go. Let's go. And then the last thing we've got to talk about before we wrap it up, I'm the UFC guy on this podcast. You're overreaction guy. I'm UFC guy. We have a big fight card this weekend, UFC 253. The main event is two incredible fighters, two undefeated fighters. One is the middleweight champion, Israel Adesanya, who is just a striking machine. Awesome to watch. So fluid in the stand-up game. And then on the other side, you've got Paulo Costa, who is a monster. Super jacked, goes at you the entire time, kills people. And I just cannot wait to watch that fight. It's going to be probably the fight of the year in the UFC. I'm so jacked up about it. Yeah, and the odds are Costa plus 145 and Adesanya minus 175. Give me Israel in this one. I think he's going to knock him out first round. There's no chance. Costa is a brick wall. I'm going to go with, I think I think Adesanya could win in a decision or Costa could finish him. I'm going to go with Costa with the odds just because I think it's a 50-50 fight, so I'm going to take the guy that's the underdog. But more than anything, just can't wait to watch. You say he's a brook wall. I say he's a bum. I mean, I've never seen him fight. I don't know what he looks like. I know nothing about him, but guy's a bum. Give me out of Sonya. They love talking trash to each other too. I saw that last week, Paula Costa said, now that Usain Bolt has COVID-19, the Israel Adesanya is the fastest runner in the world. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Interesting. I, I love that. That's a good J. But um, since you said that you are UFC guy and I'm overreactions guy, are there any UFC overreactions that I can have? Like, can we meet at a crossroads here? We can definitely find a way to do that. How about you go ahead and say that after his fight last weekend that Kamzat Chemaev is now the greatest fighter of all time? Ooh, okay. I can get on board with that. What's his record? He is 9-0 with nine finishes, all in brutal fashion. 9-0? Yeah, and he smashes everybody. Wait, is he going to break Floyd Mayweather's record of like 45-0? 
Possibly. Is he's he? On, he's on pace for it. Wow. Okay. Chimaev, best fighter of all time. I'm excited to watch him, you know, win his next 39 fights. Let's go. And then the second biggest fight this weekend is the replacement fight after John Jones vacated his light heavyweight belt. We've got Jan Blahovich against Dominic Reyes. Going to be a really good fight. Not two huge names right now, but two guys that are going to be big names in the near future because they're going to be at the top of this division for some time to come. So looking forward to that one as well. I was looking at the odds for this fight, and I'm just absolutely mind blown that that's how you pronounce that guy's last name, Blahovich. Yeah. Wow. Okay. He's <laughs> plus two fifteen, and then Dominic Reyes minus two seventy five. Give me Reyes here. I'm going to parlay him with uh, my boy Adesanya. Okay. Yeah. Dominic Reyes gave John Jones one of the closest fights in his career not too long ago. Lost in a very close decision. So Dominic Reyes is definitely the favorite here. I like him to win this fight as well. So good UFC card this weekend. We're in the middle of the Stanley Cup playoffs. We're coming up on playoff baseball. We've got NFL. We've got the SEC kicking off this weekend. It's Dwan Mathis season. Oh my God, I'm overheating. Let's go. And then tomorrow is Friday for us because we're going on vacation. Let's go. Huge weekend. So yeah, we're jacked up. That's going to be it for our episode today. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to our podcast on Apple and Spotify. Leave us any ratings or reviews if you can. We love y'all. Thank you as always for listening. Hope you have a good day. See you soon.